Hello and welcome to Obehi Podcast. I'm your host, Obehi Ewan And I strongly believe that everyone has a story to share. Now let's get started with this episode. If you are someone that wants to uh, hear about African or Africa-related issue, this is a podcast where we continuously share uh, uh, important value about us, about education and about also things that relate to our history and our common experience, whether we are talking about uh, African in Africa or African city diaspora. So in this particular podcast this morning, we're going to be looking at the importance of quality education in Southern Africa. So such questions as, what are the real value of quality education for young Africans today? Are African children be given the right education to be truly independent? And how can we guarantee quality education for everyone? Those are some of the things that we are going to be uh, talking about uh, this morning. And I have the honor of talking with a person who have been in this setup for at least 30 years. So I want to thank uh, Mr. Kennedy for joining us in South Africa. Uh, so why don't we start like this? Uh, you present yourself, sir, so that the people that are listening to us right now, they can know who you are and know a little bit of your background. Please go ahead. Thank you so much and good morning to the viewers. Uh, as you have already heard, my name is Kennedy Mandaza. I'm a, uh, I'm a Zimbabwean. I was born from a, in a PSN family uh, where we did most of our, our farming on a small piece of, of land that was given to our father. And uh, it is from that piece of land that uh, uh, he realized uh, resources that we needed in order for us to go to school. And uh, after my uh, form four, I immediately was uh, taken into the education sector where uh, that was in 1984. So I started right at the age of 19 teaching uh, mathematics uh, and the geography at times, but uh, predominantly I have been teaching mathematics for over 30 years in, um, in high school um, up to form six. And um, I also had a short stint as a lecturer in um, in a teacher training college where I was also lecturing in mathematics, uh, trying to, or teaching people, uh, students how to teach mathematics. And um, after that short stint in, um, in the teacher education, I then decided to come to South Africa where I went to, to uh, teaching mathematics in high school. And I've been in South Africa for almost 15 years now. Uh, I've had the opportunity to be in administration for a lengthy period as a principal, as an HOD, uh, uh, as an academic director. And, uh, but more importantly, uh, most of my life I've been interacting with children, teaching them and uh, I see education as a very important tool, particularly when it comes to the issue of medicine science. 
Thank you very much for that. So how has this uh, period been for you? Because that has been uh, quite a long time and you have moved from different level and different layer in the educational sector, both in Zimbabwe and also in South Africa. So how has this period been for you? Well, this, um, uh, when we got into the teaching field in the 1980s, um, a, a teacher was quite respectable. Uh, teaching as a profession was quite revered. During the course of my, when I got into the teaching field, the teaching profession was quite revered. Um, teachers were respected and um, teaching as it were was, um, was coming from the heart. And this is what brought me into teaching, not necessarily the, the remuneration that comes with teaching, because if you talk about one wanting to which you don't need to be in the teaching profession. But if you have the passion to make sure that uh, you educate uh, the nation, you, you assist in the development of children, then you have to be in the education sector. And that is what has uh, seen me through for the past, for more than 30 years. It has been uh, the, the desire, the passion to make sure that I assist uh, in the development of the young uh, children so that they can become useful citizens in our, uh, in our communities. Um, so over the years, we have seen changes in the teaching field because of the liberalization that have been taking place as a result of uh, independence in some countries where certain things that we were doing then in the 1980s or pre-independence, could no longer be uh, done. And uh, what we have seen is the deterioration, particularly in the area of discipline. And uh, this has impacted so negatively, particularly uh, when it comes to the art of teaching, where the, you need to grapple most of the time by you know, with the ill discipline uh, that is coming from um, the, 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 the students, and at times also from the teachers who over the years we have seen people who have graduated to become teachers, not because they, want to, they wanted to be teachers, but because they have nowhere else to go uh, other than coming in, into the teaching field. And we have now seen uh, people, the majority of them sadly, who are not passionate in terms of teaching. And as a result of the delivery of the, uh, the content lacks of time and the, the, the uh, outcomes are not as desirable as one would have expected from uh, passionate educators that uh, we've had for a very long time before the advent of what we have now. All right, uh, Mr. Kennedy, you see, uh, somebody will become curious now, try to understand how did we move from uh, being passionate about education or even as a teacher, be passionate about delivering uh, to the student and not be passionate as it we as it, as we as we might have it now in according to to you how did we move to that level is it because um, uh, we lost interest in education in passing knowledge to the to the children who will become the leader of tomorrow i don't understand that part very well can you sort of clear it for us please um when most of the african countries became independent there was need in for us to expand our education system. And it was inevitable because the education system that we had pre-independence in most of the African countries 
was designed in such a way that we have very few people that would graduate up to form six, for instance, and proceed to university. But when we got independence in most of the African countries, there was now need for us to expand and accommodate most of the children that were left behind pre-independence because of the nature and the design of the system that was there that did not want to see the majority of the African children getting the, uh, educated. So there was a deliberate policy by most of the governments to make sure that we have almost every child uh, from an African community going into, the, uh, into education or going to school rather. So what it meant is that we needed more infrastructure, we needed more manpower, which was not readily available because then the system was designed in such a way that very few African children should go to school. And we did not therefore have the manpower. So at many, many a times we have had to, to bring in a workforce that is not necessarily trained to be teachers. And over time, with the increase in the number of schools, with the increase in the number of children that are, going, that are now going to school, we have also seen that there is need to increase, to expand the workforce in the education sector. And to do so, then you have to, to, to bring in as many people as is possible. Among them, people that may not necessarily have dreamt to become teachers at some point. And these are the people that tend to compromise the teaching that is supposed to take place because they are not driven by the passion, but the, by, by the desire that one should have in order to join a particular profession. But why then do we have that, the such kind of people joining the teaching profession? It is because in other sectors in our, in our economies, they have not also grown at the same rate that one would have expected those that are graduating into uh, uh, the working uh, into workforce to, 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 to be absorbed. So the only sector that currently tends to absorb most of the people graduating from um, universities um, is the education sector. And that in itself means that we are having in the education sector people who are coming in to join as workers, not necessarily as teachers. And when we have people that are just workers who are interested in what they get at the end of the day, we do not have the kind of commitment that the teachers that went into the teaching profession out of desire, out of passion, uh, would deliver. Uh, the content and what we are supposed to do in the teaching world. So that's one area that has brought us to where we are today. Other, uh, um, besides the policy issues that I think we will be looking at later. Thank you very much for that, uh, Jack Kennedy. I really appreciate that so much. It is important to look at uh, uh, this aspect of the argument also. Um, you see, it's something that we are actually also looking at in West Africa. That is a, a strong line of conversation amongst Nigeria uh, in the area of education. And also in South Africa, it's something that is, uh, we cannot uh, um, underestimate it because it is very, very important. All right, having said that, you have been in the educational sector for over 30 years. Uh, having, be that as the case, 
what would you say is the real value of quality education for young Africa today? That is something very important for me. Sure, sure. The, um, it is important that um, um, education is of quality. It is important that we have quality education in our, in our economies, in our countries. And um, there are quite a number of factors that influence quality education. But before I go into those factors, I want to look at what is it that we would look at if we would want to say this is quality education. Quality education should look at all dimensions of life. It should look at equipping the mental. It should look at empowering the emotional. It should look at equipping the uh, emotional as well as the physical. And when we look at equipping the physical, if we have a quality education, it must be able to give a trade or a skill that empowers the graduate to service his or her community. It should be an educational system that stabilizes people emotionally. It should be an education system that enables the learner to know where he is coming from, to be able to understand where he is going to. So he, it should be an education system that teaches children their history. When we look at this quality education, it must be the same across the divide. It must be able to be the same throughout the country, throughout the communities. Quality education should entail issues such as giving appropriate skills for development. It should be able to attend to gender parity. It should be able to attend to issues of things that are supposed to be provided in schools, infrastructure, equipment, educational material, the resources that are needed. And these should be given to each and everyone, regardless of the community from which you come from. Sadly, in our communities, we still see disparities, particularly when it comes to those that have and those that do not have. The people that are coming from communities of those that do not have, the poorer communities, they are still exposed to education which does not serve the things that I have mentioned. It, because they do not have um, good infrastructure, the equipment is not available. At times, even the teachers that tend to go and teach in those communities are not well-trained. So there is the issue of quality education that remains a very important issue in our communities in Southern Africa because of where we are coming from, which has um, had to design an education system that service the different communities uh, that we have in our countries. Thank you so much for that. They again. are also. Yeah, yeah, please, please go ahead. 
there are also other factors, I think I might add, factors that influence this quality of education. And these factors that affect or influence the education system include the teacher. What kind of teacher do we have? What type of teaching methods are we employing? Are the teachers well-trained in order to meet the demands of the curriculum that they are supposed to teach or the subjects that they are supposed to teach? We also look at the content that is being given, the educational content that is being taught. Does it, in the case of Africa, does it meet the African context and circumstances? Or we are still zeroing on, on the inherited curriculum that does not serve the interests of the African. So it is critical also to look at the curriculum that we are delivering to our children. Because if the curriculum is such that it is borrowed, it is a curriculum that we have inherited from uh, the, the colonialists, then it does not serve our interests. It does not serve the context and circumstances that we find ourselves in Africa. Then we also look at the in learning environment. Our learning environment is informed by the infrastructure that we have. It is informed by the resources that were there. Do we have libraries? Do we have enough textbooks? Do we have enough um, desks that are required in the schools? Then we also look at the preconditions of the children that are coming to schools. Sadly, in this day and age, in some of the communities in Africa, we still have children that are still having to walk long distances to get to school. And by the time they get to school, they are already tired and they must learn for four or so hours before they start journeying back another long distance. Such kind of circumstances inhibit quality education. Then lastly, another factor that we might also look at are our governments giving enough funding to the education sector in order to sustain the kind of education system that we wanted to produce. Because of the challenges that our, our governments are grappling with on a day-to-day -day basis in order to correct the, the differences, the challenges that they are, uh, uh, they are meeting, education does not have the kind of priority that it should be given. And we therefore have funding which is less and that again does not work for the good of quality education. So these are some of the things that we have in, our, in the African context in Southern Africa, particularly post-independence in which now we are saying in order for us to have quality education, there is need for a deliberate uh, policy to move in addressing these issues so that we can have the quality education that attends to the needs of our children, which seek to serve our communities and the countries at large. That is awesome. That is really very important.
All right, now I'm going to ask you the question of what is civil education? But before we get there, I'm going to ask you another question, which has to do with the objective even of education. Because like you make mention of, there are a lot of things actually that are hanging on our educational system. And this is not only about the Southern Africa. They also do also, <clears throat> if you take a look at what is happening in West Africa or even in North Africa or in East Africa, all of us seem to be having almost about the same issue in that it appears that some people don't care about, don't care enough about the educational system. So the question I want to ask you is, during the colonial time, for example, it is obvious that they didn't care much about educating you to be independent, to be free, because education only gives you the light. So that it becomes even counterbalance that I, that want to dominate you, should give you the instrument to be free. It will not work that way. I can understand that in the colonial time. But now, we, we are independent, sort of. Are we supposed to follow the same pattern of education where we teach children in Africa about European culture and don't teach them about African culture? Last week, I did a podcast uh, talking with a Nigeria who has been working in this setup for a long time, and this was one of the things that we talked about. In that, sometimes we don't even teach the children about African history, and these are people that are studying in Africa, and this is a school under the jurisdiction of the government in Africa. So I can understand it if we are in colonial era, but if we are an independent state. I don't know if you feel what I'm feeling. This thing, do you sense it sometime that it appears that we are not educating the people to face the problem that is, that, to, to actually provide solution to the problem that they are facing? Is it something that you feel, or I'm the only person that is just feeling that way? Um, you are very right. This is an issue that I think many people, um, questioning, particularly when it comes to our education system. In most countries in Africa, the education system we have is an inherited education system. If it is not inherited, most of the education systems are borrowed systems. They do not address the issues and circumstances that we find ourselves in Africa. And that is very sad because an education system in an African country should seek to address the issues that obtain in the country. The issues that obtain in Southern Africa should be addressed by a, a curriculum deliberately designed to attend to the issues and the demands of the economies that we find in Africa. So there should be a deliberate policy from the policymakers and those that designed the curriculum to make sure that we have a curriculum that attends to the issues that we have just highlighted. To give more emphasis to what I have said, if we look in the context of South Africa, 
we still see a difference in how education is being uh, dispensed. We have schools or children rather who go to school and are taught in Africans from grade zero. And the majority of these, they are of African descent. Their education is provided in Africans. Yet for the majority of the Africans who are predominantly black, who speak their native languages are either taught in Africans or English. What it means is that in order for them to be good in, a, in English, in, in order for them to be good in maths, science, history, and so on, they must first of all understand English. Whereas a child who is learning in Africans is coming to school already knowing Africans. So these are people that are already at an advantage. And we are saying that education should be dispensed in the language that in our mother languages rather, in our native languages, so that we are at par with those that are of English speaking and Africans. And why we still have this kind of system, it is because we have borrowed it, we have inherited it from the colonial past. Another example that I might also need to give is, let us look at somebody who is going um, um, do, to do veterinary science or nature conservation sector. And a child from a well-up community, let me use white community, go to university to do veterinary science in order to go and take care of the farms or the nature reserves of the parent. Whereas a black child is going to do veterinary science so that he or she can look for employment. And this is the challenge that we have in our, in our countries, where the education system that we continue to dispense does not prepare our children to become employers. It prepares them to become employees. And we need to advocate for an education, for a curriculum that seeks to empower children so that by the time they leave school, they have skills to create employment. They have skills to offer services to their communities. They have skills to turn around, to be innovators and creators of things in our community rather than to remain employees. And this is why we have seen that in many of our African countries, the graduates are found or seen roaming in the streets looking for employment because the education system has not prepared them to go out there and create employment. And when we look at the history, it is said that in many of our African countries, 
we still have history uh, lessons teaching our children about Tobago and Barbados, teaching them about the uh, British history, teaching them about uh, uh, so many other things that are alien to their circumstances. They do not know where they are coming from. Yes, they might be need to know a few of these things, but they should not be the predominant part in the curriculum in order for us to teach history. History should be able to tell us where we are coming from as Africans. And when we know where we are coming from as Africans, we are able to come up with a clear direction of where we need to go. So there is need surely to make sure that we change most of the things that we have in our curriculum today so that they can attend to the context, circumstances, and the needs of our, uh, community, our communities as well as our economies. Because our economies are different from the first world economy. Hence, borrowing the curriculum from the first world will not serve <laughs> All right. Now, um, I can understand that maybe if you don't have a system, you can borrow somewhere, no? I, I can get that. But Africa is not a people that don't have a system. Whether we are talking of biology, medicine, science, astronomy, physics. Okay, now, do you know, of course you know, I'm just trying to put it to you like that, that many Africans... Me, particularly, for example, I grew up in Nigeria. I went to school in Nigeria, out to secondary school. I went to school in a state called Edo State. In Edo State, there is uh, a cultural element that is very important in the world. It's called the Wars of Benin. All through the time that I finished secondary school in Nigeria, it was never mentioned in the school. Therefore, I never knew anything about it. Until I have traveled to Italy, I started to research about myself. That was when I knew that there was something called the War of Benin. Now, I live in a place called Italy, in a small city called Verona. It's about 300,000 people. In the school, you must know the things related to this city in the school. Because you are part of this city, you must know. That is their history. Now, in Africa, in the school that we went to, do we teach the people about the ancient history of Zimbabwe, of Egypt, for example? Because we go to, we pretend that we go to school or we believe that we went to school, but we are educated away from ourselves. In 2010, I wrote a book that I titled Under Development in Africa, My Hands Are Clean. Then in that book, I make an argument saying that it doesn't make any sense to go to Ghana and teach the children in Ghana about snow. Because what, what value does it add to the children if they are designed to, to live and contribute to the society of Ghana? Because there is no snow in Ghana. Why are you teaching them about snow? Why are you telling me about Mongo Park, that Mongo Park discovered me in Nigeria? What's, what value does it serve? Now, the value that it serves is this, and it's simple. 
itself the value of the metropole, the value of the of the of the Europeans, because they are propagating their history. So, like I was saying before, from their point of view, it makes sense. But what is the point of view of the African people, their history? Who is supposed to teach my history to me? Who is supposed to tell me that my ancestors, many years ago, have built a society that was the envy of the world? Do I, do I expect the European to teach me this? So why are African Ministry of Education not teaching history deliberately? Now, before you respond to that, I want to say another thing. In two, between 2009 and 2019 in Nigeria, history was removed from school. And this was deliberate. And we did a podcast on that. Of course, you can find it there on, on our channel. Now, this is an error. I, I don't know how to describe I'm, I'm really lucky the adjective to describe it. You cannot do that in Europe. You cannot do that in US. How do you manage to remove history from school? What then do you teach them? So the question I'm actually dragging us is, who is supposed to make sure that the children in Africa are given the right education? Who is supposed to make sure this happens? Um, you, you are bring up, bringing up very good arguments. <clears throat> who is supposed to make sure that uh, Africans receive the right education? It is you and me and the rest of other Africans on the African continent. We have the responsibility to make it very clear, abundantly clear to policymakers that it is time that our curriculum is designed to serve our interests. Because a curriculum, when it is designed, it seeks to shape a narrative. It seeks to shape a perception. It seeks to shape the perspective that one would look at life. And this is how the colonial um, curriculum was designed so that it restricts our narrative, our perception, our perspectives to what they sought to achieve. But gone are those days. We are in control of our destiny. Therefore, we must come up with a curriculum that seeks to address those concerns that made, say, for, a, for example, in Zimbabwe, that made those that went for the liberation struggle to go out there and fight in order for us to be liberated. It is the same with South Africa. It is the same with Zambia, Malawi, Namibia, and the rest of the continent. We were driven by the desire in order for us to be liberated from the yoke of colonialism. And it is therefore being naive for us and the policymakers to continue to have a history textbook that has or that teaches history that is not correct in the main. I'll give you an example. How true is it that David Livingstone would discover 
the Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Does it mean that in that part of the country, there were no Zimbabweans? Why can't people talk about the people that lived in that part of the, uh, of the country way before Deft Livingstone came to see the Victoria Falls? We have many other examples that um, we can give that are in Africa. And these, when people talk about discovery, they talk as if they got into Africa and the people in Africa could not walk. They did not exist in some parts of their own countries. Yet we see of a lot of migration taking place on the African continent by Africans, which means that there were people that were there first before these people that are said to have discovered some of the things that are written in our history books. Therefore, it is, like I've said, you and me and many others to seriously look at advocating and pressuring governments to make sure that we have a deliberate policy in crafting textbooks that gives the right history of Africa. You can even look at mathematics, for instance. Who are the first people who are said to be mathematicians? Many of them are found in North Africa. But do we talk about them? Not at all. We then talk about other people that are across the Nile, uh, across uh, the Red Sea. And these are the people that we begin to revere even writing itself, there is very little that is written about the writing that was taking place in North Africa and Africa uh, as a whole. Even when we look at the counting system that we use, the counting system that we use in the different communities in our native languages tells us that there was counting in Africa. There was something that was happening. So it can't be true up to this day and age, that we should continue to give our children information that does not inform them of where they are coming from, what their ancestors used to do, so that we can shape our future according to what our communities used to do in the past. And we are still battling, battling in most of the African uh, countries today in order for us to develop our communities, because when we go to our traditional uh, um, leaders, our traditional leaders still want us to do things through the traditional way. Yet, many of us have decided to ignore the traditional way. And we are having some challenges on the African continent because we have left that which is ours and adopted that which serves the interests of the colonialists. In this case, those who colonized us um, 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 before we decided to take up arms or to, to liberate our, our countries. So yes, true, our history should be changed. It should be written and we should um, advocate for this yesterday in order for us to correct uh, uh, the future for our children.
Absolutely. We should have started it yesterday. And today is another opportunity. So for you out there, if you are a historian, if you are a writer, of course, I'm not talking of this African writer because that is a, an error. I think that African writers are making, African historians even, in that they basically, some of them, not all of them, some of them basically regurgitate what the Europeans have written. They don't really go down to investigate the story. And this is a big, a huge mistake. This is even more than not knowing anything for the people that are reading your work. Because Egypt is in Africa. If we want to talk about Egypt, there is no need quoting the European. Go to Egypt and research it. Let it be according to you. Not according to some, to some European writers. We don't need to do that. We cannot be shooting ourselves in the foot. Because those people that are writing, they didn't write it according to your point of view. They write it according to their point of view. Now look at it. It's called history. History. There are two Before ways you go there. in. Yes, please. Before you, I, uh, there is something that has just come into my mind. Where I think uh, we are also equally to blame as parents. Um, if you if you come to, to to Southern Africa, I think it also obtains in West and Northern Africa. If you go to many of the families, we the parents are teaching our children from the time they start speaking English or a foreign language. Yet we have our own native languages. Why are we perpetuating colonialism in our own setups? And when we do so, if we are to take, like for instance, in South Africa, if we are to take a, a, a student, uh, your child into a community where the children predominantly speak English, then you become a laughing stock. So there is so much other than the history itself. There is so much enslavement, mental enslavement that has taken place in ourselves, which needs to be dealt with because we are starting perpetuating mental enslavement from our own households where we are prioritizing foreign languages, languages of colonialists as if they are superior to our own languages. It is also a challenge that we should put across to our own brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, that our languages, our native languages, they have so much that they speak to our day-to-day -day lives. And they should be taught from a very tender age. I speak Shona. I should be proudly speaking Shona at any given time when I have my Shona brothers and sisters. Rather than for us in a community where we are predominantly Shona, we, found, we find ourselves speaking English. That again is an area that I think needs to be addressed because you get also to schools where you say, uh, we want children to understand English. Therefore, uh, if you are found speaking your native language, you will be punished. Or a card or some, some button is given to students so that 
Once you are found speaking your mother language, you are given that button. So we are pushing or forcing our own children to do the wrong things in schools because of the mental enslavement that has permeated into us, which needs to be dealt with in order for us to go into the history, the mathematics, and all these other subjects so that they serve the interests of Africa and Africans on the African continent. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Uh, and, and of course, if you go to <laughs> look at, so I, I agree with you, first of all, that all of us have responsibility for this. There is no one, including me, that is innocent in what we are talking about. It's a responsibility for all of us to make sure that this error is corrected. Now, just so we can have some, some context, you know, you see, when Gaddafi go to the United Nations to make a speech, do you see that he doesn't speak English? When uh, Saddam Hussein goes there to speak, they speak their language. But when African president go to the United Nations to speak, which language do they speak? I speak my English. I see, I see the president of Nigeria, for example, going there to speak English that was not even clean. And this is a guy that can speak Hausa very well or speak another language in Nigeria. Why are we not speaking Yoruba, Hausa, Igbo, Swahili in the United Nations? So that other people can also hear how beautiful these languages are. If my representative cannot even speak in a world level, how am I supposed to be proud of this language? All right. Now, I was saying before that history, actually, there are two things that are involved there. There are two words there. One is his, the other one is story. Meaning that history is written from a point of view that is no neutral history. It never exists and never will be. So it is an error on our part if we think we are talking about history and we are reading the point of view of another people. So if you are an African writer, you are an African academic, don't be afraid. Say it the way you see it. That is the only chance you have. Don't regurgitate history from the point of view of other people. It doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve the African people. So if you believe that a certain thing should be said in a certain way, say it. Of course, there are consequences for that. They might not applaud you, but that is what it means. If you wanted to applaud you and you are just licking the ass of another person, then you are not representing, of course, your people. So history, African history should be written according to the African value, according to the survival of the African people, according to the interest of the African people. That is the only way African history can be written. It cannot be written by just regurgitating other people's uh, narratives. Now, I come to the question I wanted to ask you before, which is about education. What is evil education? And how, does it, how is it different from merely indoctrination? Please help me understand this. Even education, and uh, or let me start from indoctrination. Indoctrination, it means that what I say stands. You are teaching them to do it the way you want it to, to be done without any question. There is very little of discussion. There is very little of discovery. There is very little of input from the child. So at the end of the day, there is no learning that takes place because it is a regurgitation of the information 
that the teacher would have said. Whereas in even education, there are elements of research, discovery, it should be child-centered. It should seek to ensure that the child discovers the information, discovers what he or she is learning. And it is through discovery that we can find many of our children learning and equipping them with the skills that are needed in this day and age to make sure that they can contribute in our communities. Whereas with indoctrination, it does not give you skill. It does not empower you to go out and serve your communities because there is nothing that you have learned in terms of discovery research. And um, there is very little that has provoked your thinking. The thought process has always been guided according to a certain narrative that it seeks to serve. It is like what we do in church. There is very little that you will be given to think outside the parameters of what the preacher thinks is right. So you are indoctrinated to a particular doctrine, whereas education should not be used as a tool for indoctrination. It should be used as a tool of empowering the learner to become self-sustaining, to become an individual who is able to serve communities, an individual who is capable of creating. I had an opportunity to be out there in, uh, um, in the United Kingdom. And while I there, I could see that what we were teaching this side and the manner in which we were teaching was quite different. In the United Kingdom, you would see people giving, being given opportunity to discover, being given opportunities to research, going at a particular pace, not necessarily when we teach a multiplication. By the end of two weeks, all children should understand multiplication. And this is not what they do in the United Kingdom. They teach multiplication, but each child learning ability and pace is taken cognizance of. And that gives each teacher an opportunity to design a curriculum that serves to address the e-concerns and the challenges of that particular. Whereas in Africa, it, we are given Let's say in South Africa, you are given an ATP, a syllabus that comes from the Ministry of Education. And it says first week, you are done with this. Second week, you are done with this. Third week, you are done with this. Surely, how is it possible that children of different learning abilities can catch or can understand the concept at the same rate. That in itself compromises the issue of even education 
which seeks to afford children opportunities according to, the, uh, to their abilities and the pace at which they understand. Some of the children that, we, that end up failing in our, in our schools are not supposed to be failing at all, but it is because they have been hurriedly taken through the course that they are supposed to be doing in order to meet a particular deadline. That again compromises the issue of even education, which seeks to empower, even edu education should empower our children with skills of research, innovation, creativity, discovery, and so on, as compared to indoctrination, which is devoid of all these other uh, um, areas that education should be addressing. That is absolutely that is absolutely important. All right, now, <clears throat> you see, I want to take your word for it, that education should be about empowering people. And that is what it really should be. In fact, this is the way it is in many other clients. It's only in Africa that we just indoctrinate people, we load their head with ideas that they don't need. And when they finish school, they don't find a place in the society. Yes, they find a place to become immigrant in Europe. Because that is how the idea has been. So that Africa has been designed as a satellite. It's not an independent state. It was not designed to be independent. It was designed to be a satellite. And a satellite is something very simple to understand. No? You have a university, then you have a satellite university campus. That satellite is not the real university. It just responded to the main university. So that Africa economy was designed to respond to the main economy. Meaning, Africa is not the real economy. When we train people, we don't train them to resolve the problem of Africa because that is not real. It's not a real problem. They are trained to become doctors or technicians in the United States or in Europe. Again, this can be fine from the point of view of the West because they need people to service their economy. But as a people, as Africa, this is not in our interest. We need people to understand how to go into the forest in Africa and cultivate to feed the population in Africa. And if we have excess of this, we can sell to the outside. These people need to understand the culture, the relationship between them and the land. They need to understand how to treat the disease. They need to understand how to control the erosion, the irrigation, the transportation, the marketing, all according to the point of view of the African people. And this should pass through the educational system in a way that it has always been done. If we go back to history in Africa, again, we, we realize that if we look at some empires in Africa, they didn't educate people to become alien to themselves. We have big economies in Africa, whether you're looking at the Malia Empire, looking at the, the Benin Kingdom, looking at, there are big empires that have grew up in Africa. The empire of Mali, for example, was said to be the, one of the richest in the world. How did they do it if we begin to look at Africa as if we never knew anything? It is not true. And we're looking at something of even 12 centuries ago. Sorry, sorry yeah, 12 centuries ago. So we need to give education to the people the kind of education that will help them to become independent. Of course, this will mean standing against the art of other people. But who are you if you cannot even stand for yourself? 
Who are you if you cannot even stand to take the bullet for your people, for, who you, for, for what you believe in? Who are you as a leader? So I want to ask you, Mr. Kennedy, what do you see to be the primary problem facing the educational system in South Africa and, of course, in other parts of Africa? I mean, the problem that we can solve. Which are these problems? Um, before I look at the, 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 the problems, <laughs> let one of the problems that we have had in on Africa, um, like I've said before, the our our colonizers were very clever. When they came in, they designed an education system where it made us feel second-class citizens by shaping our narrative and perspectives in a particular way. To the extent that when they introduced the technical schools. In most of these technical schools, we were taught building, bricklaying rather. We were taught um, carpentry. We were taught uh, sewing uh, and all these other manual skills. But we were not exposed to the reading, for instance, of the plan, the drawing of the plan, and many other skills. So it, technical skills were only meant to, in, to equip us so that we can do that which needed the manual labor. And it made many of our uh, fathers to hate technical schools. That's why you see that at the advent of independence, in most independent countries, they dealt away with the technical schools because the technical schools were seen as a tool which was used to make sure that we remain em uh, employees. But to a certain extent, what we needed to have done is to make sure that we maintain the technical schools, but add those other skills, like in the case of building, other than teaching bricklaying only, now we needed to include the component of technical drawing, drawing of plans, surveying, and so on. And then we know these were skills that were limited only to those who were going to university, and many of them were Europeans or the colonizers. So the issue of te technical schools is an area that we need to look at and address again with the hope that we are going to be teaching our people skills that are needed in our communities, skills that will serve the interests of our communities. After all, we had so much of these skills before the coming in of the colonialists. Look at the pyramids. Look at how the great Zimbabwe ruins were built. Look at the smelting which was taking place in Africa before the coming of the Africans, or of the, uh, of the colonizers. That speaks to the innate abilities and skills 
that are within Africans, which we can use in order to turn around the fortunes of our own countries. Because we have shown it in the past where we had the Egyptians coming up with the pyramids, uh, those in the Munumtapa Empire coming up with the great Zimbabwe ruins, the Kami ruins, and so on. And we look at quite a number of artifacts. Some of them are lying in the uh, uh, museums in Europe um, of smelting that was taking place on the African continent. So the issue of giving our children skills through technical skills, the schools, whose curriculum is deliberately designed to fuse the whole chain of skills that are required in a particular trade, rather than restrict them to say in terms of building, bricklaying only. The other issue problem that needs to be attended to is the issue of language. Language issue is critical on our continent. If we go out of Africa, we have teaching which is taking place in their native languages. Whereas on the African continent, we are forced to teach in Africans, in English, in French, and other languages that are foreign to our continent. And when arguments are normally brought with regards to the introduction of our native languages as languages of teaching, there there are always arguments to say that there are certain things that cannot be said in our own languages, which is not true. We can come up with with a word for theta, we can come up with a word for an asymptote in Shona or um, uh, Zulu or any other African language. We can come up with any word for any of the words, technical words that are there in the different books. So it should be a deliberate move by us on the African country, on African continent, to come up with textbooks, resources, in which we have written a textbook in, uh, in, uh, in Shona for mathematics, a textbook in Shona for geography, and so on and so on, so that we do not continue to be subservient to the colonial uh, languages that were introduced to us by force. The other issue that also needs to be attended to, which is problematic, is that of the curriculum. The curriculum that we continue to give on the African continent is a curriculum that is coming or borrowed from our former colonial masters. As if we do not have learned people on the African continent. It is high time that the learned people on the African continent, the professors, the doctors, the educationists, our elders, sit down and come up, consider a curriculum that serves the interests of the African child, that serves the interests of the 
challenges that we are finding on the African continent. The circumstances on the African continent, they are different from those that we find in uh, Europe and other countries. We were seen uh, as a continent where we only get um, raw materials because we have these raw materials in abundance and they have been there since time immemorial. And we have used them since time immemorial. That is why the traders used to come to Africa to get gold, to get uh, different minerals and other things that are on the African continent because we were mining them, we were exploiting our resources. And we need now to come up with a curriculum that aligns our environment, that aligns the curriculum to our environment, to our needs, that shapes the narrative of the African people on the African continent. And like you rightfully said, it is us who should be able to be telling this good story about Africa. And this good story about Africa can be told through our curriculum. It can be told through what we are giving to our children so that they have an identity which is African, an identity which is South African, Zimbabwean, Zambian, Nigerian, and so on and so on. That can only be attained when we consciously and deliberately change the current curricula that we find across the African continent so that it becomes an African curriculum that serves African interests and needs, that shapes our future according to our history, which should be correctly, uh, which should be correctly told, because what we have today is not the correct history. It is a distorted history that is shaping our narrative so that we become satellite countries of America, of Britain, and so on. And what you see in these satellite uh, uh, communities is exactly people more, more uh, looking up to their models who are American, um, British, and so on. And you can tell immediately when you see our child. So we, the onus is on us, you and me, and all the other African brothers and sisters listening today to make sure that we deliberately look at how best we can change our curriculum so that it serves the interests of us on the African continent and our economies. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you so much, sir. Before I ask you the next question, what have to do with how we can actually guarantee a quality education for, for African children, because it is very important today, looking at how the world is turning now, looking at the economy, looking at the dynamics of our world. Uh, a week ago, I went with my wife to uh, a lake area near my city. It's called Lake Gada. Now, uh, when we were there, I was uh, discussing with my wife, you say, this piece of, this part now, the economy of these people, of this small place, is actually revolving around this lake in, for transport, for fishing, for feeding, for drinking. Okay, maybe, of course, they can clean the water for drinking, for irrigation, for everything. Just water, just water in the lake. Now, I said, let's think back. So Nigeria, for example, in the data area of Nigeria, 
in all other parts, Africa is actually abundantly, I repeat, abundantly blessed with resources. And sometimes I think maybe we are suffering because we have too much. We don't, we are not, there is no threat to our lives. Like maybe the European who have to evade or they will perish. Because the code here is too, is too, is too much on you that if you don't have it, if you don't have heater, you are going to die. So, talking of education, I think that our education should have been how to create a relationship between you as a human being related to the nature. But I think other people have already explained this one well enough. Look at uh, Kensaro Wewa, for example, talking of the abuse, the deliberate abuse of the Niger Delta by the multinational oil company. His argument was very simple. Let's respect the land. Because according to our understanding, our idea of life, our life depends on this land. If we destroy the land, we destroy the life. But of course, this is evidence today. Go to the Niger Delta with over 21 million people. Their life is ruined. Of course, not everyone. There are some individuals who manage to benefit from this, from this stealing, from this destruction of the resources. So what I'm saying is that maybe if we educate the people to face their problem, we might find a solution. Because the solution is not going to come from US, from UK, or from France. It's not going to happen. It will never happen. The solution must come from the people. And this must be according to their education. So now I come back to the question I want to ask you. You see, today, look at that, even the COVID-19 situation, every economy, every country is strategizing on how to, on how to survive. Because we are basically in the period of surviving. Economy that, that, that was shut down for a long period of time. You cannot be uh, prosperous in this period. It's a period where we survive. What do you think, taking from the point of view of education, Africa should inculcate into their educational system so that we can also survive because other people that are trying to survive, they are looking at Africa to grab for resources so that their economy can remain afloat. But for us, what should we inculcate? What should we be telling our children in school so that they can also build economy for them? They can also do like other people because that, now that is internet, that is technology. The technology is not only for the European, it's also for us. You and I, I'm in Italy, you are in South Africa. I'm talking in the next seconds you are hearing me. How can we take advantage of all this in our educational system? Thank you. Um, like you, you have said, land is life. And um, we must value our land on the African continent and we must use it uh, to serve us as Africans. Everything on the land belongs to us and it must develop uh, our, our, our economies. The other issue that you have also alluded to is the issue of problems that are, and the challenges that are in Africa. I must say uh, there is now a new sense among us African leaders and people on the African continent, that African problems needs African solutions. Likewise, problems that we have in the education sector, 
which are problems on the African continent need also to be addressed using African solutions. That is why it is imperative for us to come up with our own curriculum on the African continent that serves the interests of the continent, that serves the interests and guarantees that we value our identity as Africans. The, you spoke about COVID-19 and we have seen in the battle for survival, they, we have complained so much on the African continent that the countries that are manufacturing the, 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 the vaccines have given many to themselves. I think we should not begrudge them for doing so because they are manufacturing these vaccines in their own backyard. Therefore, they should give them to their people first. The problem is with us Africans who have not taken the time to come up with our own vaccines. People who do not believe in what we do on our own. Who need, we need the Europeans, the Americans to validate things that we are doing on our African continent. To, we have medicine on our own continent which are capable of curing COVID-19, but this medicine has not been accepted by our own um, uh, pharmacies or people that are in medicine because they have not been validated by the uh, uh, World Health Organization, by the Americans and so on. And we end up getting medicine from other countries. An example is what happened in Madagascar where they found medicine, which they felt that this is medicine which can cure COVID-19. Medicine that can mitigate the challenges that people are facing. And we have this across Africa, but no one in Africa was prepared to support the people in Madagascar, to produce their own, to produce our own medicine on the African continent. So the problem is with us at times on Africa that we do not believe in ourselves. We have been enslaved so much that we can no longer believe in what we do. Therefore, there is need for an attitudinal change among many of us on the African continent to believe in ourselves, to believe in our abilities, to believe in what we can do and validate it because we need to use it on our own African continent. So the challenge with our education system is that of making sure that we teach our children to believe in themselves so that they have an identity. They believe in their own identities. Do I, do I am I proud being an African? And can I stand up there, out there, and say I'm proudly Zimbabwean, I'm proudly African? We have many people who cannot do that on the African continent. Until such time, we believe that we are equal to anyone else in the world. And we have five brains that can think and innovate things 
even better than other communities, we will remain subservient to those that uh, uh, had colonized us earlier. So our education system should seek to attend to this. This is critical because as long as we do not believe in ourselves, as long as we are not proud of our identities as Africans, then we will always play second, um, we, we will always remain second class citizens on this, con on this world. So our curriculum, our education system should seek to empower our children with the belief that themselves, they can do it and even do it better. We are not different in the eyes of God. We are the same, be it European, American, Chinese, African, we are the same. We must therefore believe in ourselves as Africans. And it starts with us crafting our own curriculum that attends to our own issues, that empowers us to create, innovate, and design things for our continent in a manner that will address the issues. Yes, I understand we live in a global village. We are interdependent. And that should give us any leverage, but without losing sight of the fact that we are Africans. Why should we always be coping, coping all the time from the Europeans, from the Americans and other uh, countries? It should be time that the Chinese, the Americans, the Europeans start coping from what we are doing on Mother Africa. Because we have people that are working out there in America that are working in, uh, on different continents other than Africa, who are African origin who can come and serve Africa in the same way that they have served multinational companies out there. And it starts with us designing a curriculum that will ensure that we restore our identity, our African identity, which was battered through years of enslavement, through deliberate educational systems that meant, may, were made to shape a narrative that sought to be subservient to those uh, uh, Europeans or colonizers of that particular day. But now that we are independent Africa, we need to move away from these uh, um, curricula that were designed to perpetuate slavery amongst Africans. So I, for me, I think, there is need for us Africans to believe in ourselves. A curriculum designed to make sure that we believe and trust ourselves. And secondly, a curriculum that restores our identity and have belief in our identity as Africans. That is critical if we want to move uh, ahead, not as second class citizens on, on Mother Earth. Thank, thank you so much for that. Uh, and it is very important to, to uh, outline the fact that it is not by accident that what we, what we are today in, uh, in the world is this is the situation. Uh, because this is a deliberate effort. Somebody has spent millions and billions of dollars to create this reality. It's about narration. It's, like what, it's what we have been saying before, no? 
if the United States can spend the huge amount of money that they spend on, on propagating its sole identity on the world, it's not making a mistake. It's because there is an objective for it. Every country should do education based on what it expects. If in Africa, we are just trying to copy, you know, it's not even a question of copy that is the problem. It's just that we are copying the wrong thing. Now, assuming like I was saying before, that Nigeria say, let me use Nigeria as an example, say, okay, in this country, we don't have light because in Nigeria, we basically do not have light. Those who are supposed to do it don't even know what to do. So they are, if I, they are giving it to the wrong people to start with, okay? Now, let's go to America or let's go to China or let's go to... Or Germany to study how they have resolved their light problem and then copy it and come home and create light. But instead, they never do that. Or let's go to maybe France to study how they have created railway. Why we don't have railway? If that is what we are copying, we don't have any problem. Instead, they are copying the wrong thing and they are doing it in a way that it keeps us on the ground. We will never, we will never leave the ground, the ground zero. This is what is really very wrong in the system. So, um, in the educational system, we are always there. I'm looking at infrastructure because in many parts of the of the of the of the countries in Africa, not only in South Africa this time, some of the rooms are overly crowded. The infrastructure have not really been developed. Some of them have been there since for over 50 years. So, what is your reaction to this area? What do you think can be done to make the environment conducive for the children who want to learn because we don't want to torture them just because they want to go to school. Um, it is important that um, um, in order to guarantee quality education uh, in Southern Africa, on the continent as a whole, we need to have conducive environment. A conducive environment ensures that the delivery of the lessons is up to standard and the learning thereof by the children is also interesting. So they should, our governments should devote a greater percentage of their budget to the education sector so that we can address issues of infrastructural deficit that still obtains in some of the uh, in some of our institutions some of our schools so that we have good buildings that are taken care of almost every other time it is not good for a child to walk into a classroom where all window panes are broken. If you are, and they are not attended for, to, for a very long time. That in itself shows that we have a broken system and a broken system brings up a broken inadequate products that will ill-equip the children to deal with the circumstances that they will face in future. So it is important that our buildings where our children are supposed to learn are attended to almost all the time. 
We need also state-of-the-art infrastructure, be it in the rural areas or in towns. We do not need to segregate by way of commodifying education in which we have well-built schools being charged exorbitantly so that a certain group of children can go there. All schools should be equally, uh, should equally have the same structures um, such as libraries. They should have safe and hygienic um, sanitary facilities. They should ensure that these uh, uh, buildings, they are also maintained, the libraries are maintained, books are changed time and again. You should not walk into a library and find textbooks or books that are no longer relevant or that are not relevant to the context, in this case, the African context. I, I'm not so sure whether Romeo and Juliet uh, uh, has anything to do with us on the African context. And we still find uh, people going, doing literature, studying Romeo and Juliet. Surely, well, Shakespeare was a good writer, but um, for us to continue to, to dwell on Shakespeare as if we do not have African, African uh, uh, writers on our own continent, surely it defeats the purpose of even encouraging more people to write. We should also make sure that um, in poorer communities, when children come from their communities, from their houses, some of them leave their houses without having had a meal. It becomes the responsibility of our governments to make sure that we feed these children when they get to school, to ensure that when they go into classes, they learn on a full stomach, like any other child coming from elsewhere. Because if you go to well-up schools, even here in South Africa, you will see that they even have a canteen. Whereas when you go to, to a school in a poorer community, even a tax shop is non-existent. So they are supposed to rely on food parcels, lunch boxes, which they bring from their homes. And others, many of them might not be having them. So it then creates an uneven learning uh, platform for our children. Therefore, governments should also have, take a deliberate policy to make sure that children are fed in, in schools so that they can easily um, learn. One other important thing is that of teachers. Teachers should be well trained. We have seen in Southern Africa, including South Africa, where in the primary school, we have teachers that are not well trained or well equipped to train certain subjects. And this impacts negatively on the, on the children, on the learner. So it is therefore important to make sure that all teachers, they go through the same training program and they should be made to pass 
teaching should not be seen as a, a vocation where every Tom, Dick, and Jill can go and, uh, 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 and take time talking to children. We need people that are in a position to teach children the right information, the right content, so that as they progress from grade one, grade two, until grade 12 in the context of South Africa, uh, form six in the context of other countries, then they have attained the levels that they are supposed to have attained. So the quality, the training that teachers get is important. And we have seen in some cases that this is amiss in most countries where we have opened up the education sector so that we can cater for all children. Education also in most of our, uh, our Bill of Rights is any, um, a right. Children are supposed to go to school from grade, uh, from the time that they attain the age six or even at times five. So governments should make sure that they create funding to make sure that basic education is free. And the university education for communities that are underdeveloped or children that are rightfully proven to be coming from poor communities should go into universities for free. And the government should be able to subsidize heavily for those that go to university and promote certain subjects that seek to address the concerns of our communities uh, or our economies on, on the continent. All right, <clears throat> absolutely. That is very important. Okay, now we are moving towards the end of the podcast because we will spend uh, quite a uh, lot of time here because it's very interesting, the argument. There are many other areas that really uh, should have been touched, but of course, uh, for time constraint, we are going to uh, limit it to a few more things. So I'm going to ask you two more questions that we are, we are going for the day. Um, now, you have been in, the, in this educational sector for over 30 years, so I'm going to ask you, apart from uh, the, the problem of infrastructure, which other area do you think that, that there is a, a serious need for change right now? What, what kind of change would you suggest that need to be done in whether in South Africa or in some other uh, countries in Africa uh, for quality education for the children? Um, I think I've mentioned two already. And uh, these are the two that I think are critical to make sure that we have quality education besides uh, infrastructure, uh, there is need for change of the curriculum. I think we have labored on the on that issue for some time because the curriculum that currently exists does not serve does not serve the interests of the people on the African continent. The curriculum that is borrowed, which we currently use, shapes the narratives, shapes the children to a specific narrative. That's why we have lost our identity on the African continent, because most of the things, even if you look at some of the examination papers, they speak to things that are not even found on the African continent. That is why I seriously think that it's high time that our curriculum needs to be addressed. And once we address our curriculum, then we will move in the direction of making sure that we teach that 
to equip our children um, with the right skills and empower them with what we want them to do once they leave the uh, schools. And the other issue that I also said is that of language. It's a high time as Africans, we believe in the equality of our languages, regardless of whether it is a minority language like what some others say, or there are very few people who speak that language. It is our language and it should be prioritized. It should be the language of learning and teaching that we, we need to, be, to use because without that, we will remain subservient to those whose languages that we use in our learning and teaching. Yeah, that is important. Somebody must pay attention to that. Uh, the language is very important because it's also about, about your culture. I think language actually is a window to your culture because it is not just about opening your mouth and say something. There are, there are a lot of things involved in it, from philosophy to idea to belief to everything. Because imagine you, you, you are listening to uh, a TV program or a radio, you hear your own personal language inside. It gives you a certain sense of pride. So I agree with you completely. You see, in this podcast, we talk about a lot of things um, from politics to education. We really talk about a lot of things today. Now, what I want to ask you to conclude is that, uh, what would be your own conclusion? Actually, I want you to draw the conclusion, uh, conclude it the way that you will want. Say, maybe this is the only small part that somebody will get from the podcast. You will see, get the message. This is the last, it's not a question. It's just a conclusion from you. Please go. Um, Africa is a continent that is rich in everything. It is rich in languages. It is rich in resources. It is a continent rich in every aspect. The education system or systems that we have on, our, on the African continent should seek to address the issues that we find on our Afri African continent. It is our responsibility as Africans to design a curricula that addresses the issue of where we want to be tomorrow. No one can do it for ourselves other than us Africans. Hence, we need to have a deliberate call to Africans in the diaspora and Africans on the African continent to join hands in coming up with curriculum that will empower our children so that they become masters of their own destiny. We have learned in abundance, resources in abundance. If we are to tread on the African continent on our own, using the various resources that we have, we will remain rich. I, if we look at what happened on the recent Olympics, if we put together the medals that way, uh, uh, that each country on the African continent got, we will see that Mother Africa had the greatest number of medals. It was number one. That is what Africa is in every respect. If we unite, and do things as Africans on the African continent. 
all these other countries and continents will play second fiddle. So it starts with us by believing in ourselves, by accepting our identity as Africans and becoming proud as Africans to do the right thing. Therefore, it is my call that as Africans, let us be proud of ourselves. Let us be prepared to teach our children our African curriculum and leave the borrowed curricula that we still find on our continent. If we continue to do so, we will remain subservient to those that, um, that had colonized us. Lastly, my fellow brothers and sisters on the African continent and in the, in the diaspora, Africa is ready for each one of us to embrace an education system that seeks to empower skills, that seeks to ensure that our children embraces skills that will turn around the fortunes of the African continent and become masters of their own destiny. This is a challenge that we all have and we should take upon our shoulders and work together to make sure that it becomes a reality, not in, the, in so many years, but in few years to come. We need to come up with, a, with the history books that addresses our history as Africans and leave the kind of history that we have been exposed to, the history that have seen many of our children taking models that have nothing to do with Africa. And it is said, if we as parents, as educationists, authors, as professors, do not do something today to change uh, our curriculum for the betterment of the futures of our children. Posterity is beckoning and it was, it is us who should make sure that posterity is as good as we want it to be for our children. Absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much, dear Kennedy. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you. It has been uh, an honor to have you here and to share with us your experience and, and to also give us a recommendation on how to fix uh, our broken educational system because to say the right word, it is broken. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our future episodes. Rate and review Overhead Podcast and share with your friends who might need it. I remain over here at one Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode.